Blog Talk Radio. And this is our other co-host. It's Summerblade. <laughs> hey, uh, it's turns out. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, it turns out I got ahead of myself and um, not leaving for my trip until this Saturday. So still here. Okay. Awesome. So we have one other person in the rainbow room, and I need to find out who they are. So hold on oh. just a moment. Okay. You talk to people. Uh, okay, I'll talk amongst myself. All right. Okay. Well, I'm on the show by myself, babe. There's there's nobody else on there right now. Uh, oh, okay. All right. Oh, well, I guess while Nishi's checking to see who's in the rainbow room, um, I don't know if we've got a live audience or not because Hey Summer. Well oh, oh good, you're there. <laughs> Hi. So the person that was hiding in our rainbow room is none other than our interviewee for today. Oh cool. Hi. This is JPP. Hey. Yeah, I had a little difficulty when I first called. It said there was no show scheduled for 24 hours, and then finally it went through. Yeah, blog talks a little funky sometimes. Yeah, either either Pandora scheduled show or she forgot to schedule a show, but it's okay because I scheduled the show. I set it up. Perfect. Here we are. So what trip are you going on, Summer Blade? Uh, well, my boyfriend and a friend of mine were all going to be driving down to Florida. Oh, so that, that um, sounds my fun. Boyfriend, yeah, my boyfriend's going to go visit his sister, and then my friend Phil's going to visit her sister. You guys going to stop at all the little 
sideway or highway stops on the way? Probably, yeah. That's usually what oh, we do on road cool. trips. That's the best part of a road trip, right? Oh, yeah. So what are you guys up to this fine evening? Oh, well, um, Tony husband took Tony baby out on a trip to the bank. And so all sorts of financial goings on. And I'm at home alone, so I use this opportunity to pick up the living room briefly. That's how it goes here. Yep. Living life on the edge, picking up the living room. <laughs> A mother's work is never done. (laughs) Oh, oh, don't I know it. Uh, So what are we going to be talking about? Well, today is a customizer interview, so we're talking about you, JPP, otherwise known as Josh's Pony Princess. (laughs) Well, what would you like to know? Well, why don't we start off with the basics? For those who are for those who are listening in and who maybe aren't a part of the pony community or very active in the pony community, let us know about um, a little bit about who you are and how long you've been um, in the pony community and customizing and that sort of thing. Okay, um, let's see. Well, I first got into ponies as a kid. My dad used to bring me home ponies as presents um, when he would go out of town, which was about every week. So I had a lot given to me over the years. And then when my son was born in 2008, I rediscovered my collection. And uh, I found the arena and found customizing. And I was just blown away. I've always been artistic, but I fell in love and I had to try it. And once I tried it once, I was hooked. And so I've been doing it ever since 2008, the end of 2008. And I work with all generations. Um, Obviously, G1 is only baby condition ponies. And I'm very particular about those because I still do collect. So... Um, you know, I love to try things that other people have never tried. Um, a lot of people know me for my hairstyling prowess, I guess you would say, even though I can't style my own hair to save my life. (laughs) Um, and, uh, I do hair dyeing as well. I dye the hair for retro dolls, uh, mohair and stuff like that as well. And I have branched out into, you know, um, resin jewelry, uh, featuring ponies especially, and um, I've tried my hand at dolls, but they're not as fun as ponies to me. They make a good blank canvas, I think. And if anybody's unfamiliar with uh, what goes into customizing ponies, you know, it all starts with your bait or your base pony, and then you strip everything off, including the hair. And it can include just painting symbols and eyes and rehairing if you want to go simple or if you want to go more complex. You know, it can be a full body repaint, sculpting, adding, you know, multiple 
uh, embellishments and crystals and hairstyling. I mean, there's a lot of things you can do with it. That's why I love it so much. Did that cover the whole question? I think it did. <laughs> I think it did. <laughs> now, where is the best place to view the customs that you've made? Are you do you have a Facebook page, a Deviant Art? I have um, a Facebook page. It's my personal page, but it's open to the public, so you can view it even if you're not my friend, or you can send a request, and I always friend people. Um, and that's um, Rachel Crum, K-R-U-M-M. And then I also have a Deviant Art under Josh's Pony Princess. And then anything I have that's available for sale is at my, along with my resin jewelry, is at my Etsy shop, and that's Rainbow Dark Creations. But I don't generally have a whole lot of ponies for sale as people see me working on them, and they get snapped up pretty quickly. All right. Well, I just opened up your Deviant Art page, and I see Isabella there, and she looks awesome. That was for a POD, um, for a swap we did at the arena for, you know, um, I don't, I think it was hosted by Holly or Jupiter Wonderland um, for your favorite things. And that was a, that pony was a lot of fun to work on. I got to, to try my hand at sculpting bone, which was interesting to say the least. Painting it was more difficult than sculpting though. Trying to get the right bone color was uh, very difficult. But no, I love, um, my favorite part on ponies, besides hairstyling, is probably sculpting. I love to do sculpted things. And basing. I love bases. If I if I uh, played more um, model games, I'd probably be into the miniature models for game playing, but I don't really know too many of those games, so... I stick with what I know, and that's ponies. And let's see. It looks like on your Deviant Art, there's G1, G3, G4, and Fakies. So does that mean uh, you yeah. haven't done any? Uh, my D2s that I've done, I actually they're still on my work in progress shelf. So they're, they haven't been debuted. You can see them in my work in progress folders on my Facebook. All right. Now, I don't, I'm looking at your The thing is, is... Oh, go ahead. I see a big picture of what looks like a work-in-progress Big Brother pony. Uh, yeah, that's going to be a forest elf that I'm working on. I was actually working on him right before I called in. And he's actually composed of lots of different mediums. There's obviously paint sculpting um, plastic lucite beads that I've pinned into place and painted, metal um, findings that I've pinned into place and painted, um, moss. I even take um, a really good technique for making moss, um, for anybody listening who wants to, is to take a sponge and cut it up. And then what you do is you put super glue in it and you take um, either the end of a paintbrush or a toothpick and you push it down into the formation that you want. And then once you seal it and paint it, it looks exactly like moss growing on a log. And what kind of glue do you use? Uh, for that particular application, it's super glue. Super glue. Because 
Yeah, even if it uh, you want the liquid kind, not the gel kind, which are which is good for crystal placement. Um, the liquid kind, because it, what it does is it gets down in the crevices of the sponge, and then once you push it down, it holds it all in place. And since you're going to paint it, it doesn't matter if it turns white or funky, you know, colored. But I like to incorporate a lot of um, unique, I guess you would say, techniques into the way I create things. There is another um, pony on there. It's actually a sea pony turned into a sea dragon. Uh, her name is Phycodora, which is her genus. And um, on that particular base, I used, uh, let's see, saran wrap, um, resin, real coral, sculpted coral, uh, eraser parts, you name it, I probably put it on that base. <laughs> All right, let me try and find that album for work in progress. Now, the, the, you mentioned that once you started making custom ponies, um, you got hooked. What prompted you to do your first custom pony? Um, I, when I was on the arena, I had gone into the customs area, and I just fell in love with the idea of creating your own pony. Um, you know, I like I said, I've always been artistic, and being a pony lover since childhood, I had always, you know, had ideas of my own ponies in my head, which I still have not made today, but... Um, I just decided to give it a whirl, and, you know, I already had acrylic paint, and I bought some hair to try, and I just immediately, I think the first week I did it, I ended up doing five ponies, and that was before so just, I started really sculpting. So you just jumped right in and... Yeah, I jumped in feet first and just took off running. <laughs> Nice. Were you nervous at all when you first started, or were you excited, I, or were you? I was excited. I wasn't really nervous because at that point in time, I hadn't really been in the pony community all that long, and I'm the type of person that I really, you know, if somebody doesn't like my art, that's fine. That's their opinion, and it really doesn't faze me too much. I'm actually more nervous, like, talking on the radio or, you know, meeting people in person, things like that. Um, as I'm more self, I guess I'd say I'm more self-conscious about my personal appearance and personality and meeting people like that, um, that I've talked to online or, you know, I've befriended, like, going to pony meets and stuff is always a little nerve-wracking for me. Um, but as far as doing art or on ponies, it just never phased me. I, I can't really explain it. It's kind of strange. But, you know, I do know there are customizers out there who do get nervous. And what they need to understand is everybody starts somewhere. You know, if you look at my first ponies compared to the stuff that I produce now, they are nothing alike. I mean, lumpy paint and gaudy eyelashes and, you know, it doesn't look like the work that I do nowadays. 
And I would tell those people, and I do tell those people because I do get lots of questions and people asking me, well, you know, how do you do this? Or I'm uncomfortable showing my art or, um, you know, I, I don't think it's as good as yours and things like that. And it's just like everybody has their own skill set and everybody starts somewhere. And you just got to keep at it. If I would have given up on my first failure or the first pony I wasn't happy with, then I would have stopped a long time ago. Well, do you? Uh, where can we find the picture of the first custom you ever you ever did? Or do you have a picture? It should, of it? It should be on my Deviant Art, but it's like way, way at the back. If you go through, is it just, um, or is it under featured or? It's probably uh, under all. Yeah, and then if you go through to, like, the last couple pages, it's probably in there. I want to say her name was, like, Raspberry Ribbon or something like that. Okay. And if you don't find the very first one, you'll find some of the first ones. Like I said, the first week I did five. So. Actually naming them is one, one of the things that I have the most problems with. Wow. I need to spend more time on DeviantArt. I've been kind of away. And They've switched it all around, too. Yeah, no, I went on there the other day, and I was just blown away by all the changes that they've made. I'm like, wow, I really don't get on here enough. Let's see. Yeah, it's not telling me how many pages of stuff you have, Hmm. I you know a couple of my first ones were fakies. It might be under that, but I'm not positive. I'm not near a computer, so it's too loud in my house right now. We're watching my uh, one of my best friend's sons, and uh, they're playing Wii. So. Ah. It is uh, quite noisy in there. A five-year-old and a six-year-old, both boys, both boy boys, like rough, tumble, fall in the dirt and skin your knee and get up and keep going. <laughs> All right. Hey, well, I'm back. Um, <laughs> Did you find him? Um, I'm still thinking, so why don't you ask her some questions while I look up that first pony? Okay. Well, while she's looking for that first pony, um, I caught most of what you guys were talking about uh, with some of your early customs. What's probably the strangest thing you've ever had to put on a pony or just like the weirdest material that you've ever used? Oh, goodness. Now, just a pony or are we talking bases for ponies too? Well, bases for ponies too. Okay. Um, the strangest material. Hmm. As far as design, I don't really have any strange ones. I've never had anybody make me strange requests. 
Um, the strangest material I would have to say would probably be on the uh, sea pony that I mentioned earlier, Ficadora, and uh, several of the corals on her base because she's actually she's a sea dragon. She has a clear acrylic rod that is suspending her above her rocky coral base, so she looks like she's swimming. Several oh, of the cool. corals are actually bunched up saran wrap to give it that um, kind of texture, and it's glued all in place and then painted over it. I couldn't find any other way to get that particular texture and keep it light because it was shipping to Australia. So <laughs> that's wow. the strangest. But I, you know, I for grass on a base, you know, a really good if you have, um, you know, like the whisk brooms. Um, sometimes they have like black fibers or even a regular broom. You break those off at irregular sizes and glue them into place. Um, you know, real things from nature. As long as you seal it, you can still use it on a base. I think I've used, um, oh, what is it, cornstarch for snow effect. <laughs> cornstarch? Just whatever my crazy brain comes up with, usually. That's a pretty good idea for snow. I never would have thought of that. It makes a really good... Um, like when you want the effect that um, the pony is going through snow, you know, when you walk through snow, you get snow on the back of your pants or on your feet. When you put it, dust it around like that, it um, really makes a neat effect like the pony actually walks through the snow. Mm. And also if you have like branches or trees or foliage, it's a really perfect, you know, a lot of people use the snow texture, which is great. I'm not, you know, I use that as well, but it makes a fine dust where you can kind of put it, sprinkle it around, and if you um, spray it with a sealer, it'll stay. Actually, you can use hairspray too, but. Hmm. Right. Yeah, I'm always I trying to come up with new things to. I found your very first ponies. There was one called Midnight Star and another called Raspberry Ribbon, and they were G1 ponies. Yep, they came out of, I had bought a lot of baits, actually before I found the, right before I found the arena from a local person here in Fresno, and they, well, they were dog toys at one point. <laughs> oh, wow. Actually, I guess one of those would have one of my weirdest materials on it, too, and that is toilet paper. I, okay. If you use toilet paper with uh, super glue, and then you you can sprinkle cornstarch on it too to set it faster. Actually, super glue—that's a really good tip for anybody who needs to either like um, if you don't have zap a gap, or you need to bridge in a gap or a small hole. If you put super glue with cornstarch on it, it will make an actual sandable surface. Oh. But on one of one of her particular holes on a raspberry ribbon, it needed a little more filler than just that, and I was impatient. So I used a little bit of toilet paper in there first, and then super glue and uh, cornstarch. And then you just amazing. sand it down like you're sanding clay down. Yeah, you can't um, even see the, the holes. So you did a really good patch job on her. Thank you. 
<clears throat> Pardon me. <clears throat> now it looks like Raspberry Ribbon was Moon Dancer originally. Yes, she was one of my childhood um, ponies, but I had two of them, and she had no symbols left. So I went ahead and made her one of my first customs. I actually still have her. That is wonderful. When you get to to keep your first customs and you can look back on it and go, but see how far I've come. But you still I do love get your them first. out a couple times, yes, and uh, just look at them, and I'm like, hmm, I could redo you, but I'm not going to. <laughs> no, there's actually been quite a few customs that I fell in love with while I was creating them that I I wish that I would have kept and I had sold or that were commissions and I couldn't keep. Now, do you still have I, Midnight Star as well? I do. Most of my very first ones I, I do still have. Now, Midnight Star, um, was she a princess pony originally? or I'm trying to think of which one she was. Um, she was a dark purple glitter one. She was in the, um, trying to think, the, not glow and show, the ones with the planetary symbols and the rockets and stuff. The, um, the, the sparkle pony? Yes, it was a sparkle pony. Oh, hey, Nancy, and she was you actually, able to send me a link to her gallery? Yeah, I find it on DA. <laughs> Yeah, Thank she you. was actually from my uh, childhood collection, too. Again, another duplicate that I had. I got lucky. My parents bought me the um, – they had bought me a couple in the store, and then they bought me the um, the send-away set. So I got lucky on that one. Oh, the, the mail-order set? Yeah. Now, what I tell a lot of people is, you know, the only limit to what you can do is – your own ingenuity. I mean, if I can patch stuff with super glue and cornstarch, you know, why can't you do whatever you want to do with whatever you can find in your own house? That's true. I actually find it easier to patch with that than epoxy sculpt. I will have to try I, that one of these days. It works really well because you can just sand it down with a normal nail file even. You don't have to have a Dremel. You don't have to have, you know, special sanders or anything, sand, special grit sandpaper. You can use a nail file. And it's durable. That's what I love about it. That's awesome. Right now, now I think – oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I've also found Ficadura, and she's amazing. Thank you. She's actually based off a photograph I got in the Monterey Bay Aquarium. So I actually modeled her after. Her coloring is not modeled after an actual seahorse. That was uh, decided between me and the commissioner. But um, the structure, the body structure, is designed after an actual seahorse, or I'm sorry, not seahorse, sea dragon that I got to see in person. 
Yeah, I was about and to work off looks, the photograph. She looks a lot like the weedy sea dragons. That's exactly what she's supposed to be. Oh, that's and really her fins cool. are actually flexible, so the owner can move them and position them any way she wants. Nice. Made out of um, her fins are actually wire and um, liquid femo. No wait, liquid. Yes, liquid femo. It's, that was a long process. She has like thirty fins. Yeah, I was going to ask, this looks like something that was long and involved. How long did it take you to do all this sculpting? Because I, I imagine it was a multi-step progress. Um, it's It was very multi-step. She started off with just the epoxy sculpt body, and I, you know, I modified the body and had to drill holes for her fins. Um, and I want to say that alone took probably six to ten hours. Um, the fins themselves took another six hours, just making them look the way I needed to, and not even including the paint job or the base. The base actually took the longest amount of time, and I think I clocked it at 35 hours. Figure wow. out the bender the way I wanted, and because I I had the idea when she came to me, because I do, I really like to do epic projects, projects I've never seen anybody else attempt and that really um, make me have to think of how to do it. Um, and she came to me with this idea, and I knew immediately how I wanted to do it. And I ran it by her, and she was, like, stoked. I told her, you know, it's going to take a while. It, I think from start to completion, it took around six and a half months, but I was working on her nonstop. I couldn't get the idea out of my brain. So, And usually I will juggle projects. Um, as far as, you know, if I'm waiting on something to drive, either paint or resin or, you know, clay, and then move to something else and do another step. But on her, I spent the whole, like, six and a half months on her. Sounds like a dedicated thing. It was, and it was, we had just gone to the Monterey Bay Aquarium, and I think she just approached me at the right time. Because I was just like, you know, I had gotten all these amazing photos of these seahorses and sea dragons. And she was like, I want this. And I was just like, on it. I was like, okay. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed doing that pony. There's another okay. one in the, ga I think in the same gallery. It's a mer pony, and her base has waves. Oh, yeah, Lady Narwhal. I, I was mm -hmm. going to ask you about her. She took the longest I've ever taken on a pony. Not the actual pony, getting the waves to look the way I wanted. It took two years to get those waves correct. Oh, my goodness. Because I've tried different techniques. I tried every technique I could find, resin, you know, making it out of clay, and it just wasn't what I wanted. And I ended up doing... Um, it's a combination technique of um, what you do is you take plastic, clear plastic cups like the hard plastic and you diligently hold them over a flame so that they curl and melt and try not to burn them obviously because then they'll get that weird brown stuff on them. And then you place them the way you want them and then you layer and layer and layer clear gloss gel over them. 
but it took me forever to figure that out. And then after I figured it out, of course, I felt dumb. Like, why didn't I think about that? No, it got to the point, actually, where I was contemplating buying a uh, taxidermy video on how to do realistic water. Wow. Wow. I, um, actually, um, for people who are into even just painting customs, taxidermy sites have the best pearl paint, and it is water-based and will work great with acrylics. You know, I never would have thought of looking there. I It was well, just in my quest to find something to do water with, honestly. You'll have to send us some... Uh, like a link to some of your favorite sites. Okay, I can do that. Yep, you can just go to the the My Little Pony Talk Facebook page and just post it on there. I can do that. I have some good ones and some ones that I don't think people know about too much. I like to think outside of the proverbial box as far as where I get supplies and the types of supplies I buy. I, I like to experiment, shall we say. <laughs> and there is nothing you know, the thing is, is, exactly, and you never know what's going to come out of it. You might find a really cool technique that nobody knows about. Well, you know, one of the favorite ponies I've done was um, there was on the arena, there was a swap that was a steampunk swap. And my partner liked steampunk, but she didn't like any of the fancy Victorian clothing. So I had to figure out how to do steampunk without the Victorian, you know, fancy clothing. And right. so I, I, I was going to make a... A pony that looked like it was oxidized copper. And Ooh. I found out that if you put, like, testers um, enamel paint on a G1 pony, it moves. Once it dries, you can shove it here and shove it there and get these really nice scars that make it look like Damaged metal, and I only that found neat. that up. And it was one of the coolest ponies I've ever made. I think. And then, did you just seal it with a uh, normal sealer? I don't think I even used sealer. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was just enamel. The regular testers enamel paint. And everybody had said, well, you can't use enamel paint on a pony. It doesn't work. But it worked for what I needed it for. And I did, But I didn't know it worked for what I needed it for. I just I wanted something that looked really shiny metallic, and that was the paint I found and found it on accident. So I agree with you. Try everything because you never know what's going to make you go, oh, my God, this is awesome. Now, do you you sculpt too, don't you? What now? On your ponies, I mean. You sculpt on your ponies, don't you? Oh yes, yes I do. Do you now? Do you use epoxy? 
I used um, epoxy sculpt and I used um, super sculpty. And I recently made my own little resin bit. Oh, cool! On commission because I found out well, that I suck at sculpting G4 ears. Those are tricky. <laughs> Any kind of ear is tricky, even like an extension on an ear. So I I got um, a G4 pony and I I made molds of her ears. I made some resin ears. Cool. Yeah, but, resin is a very fun material to play with, with ponies or with jewelry. Either way, it's just a fun material. Okay, uh, now what I, I was going to say is... Oh, go ahead. Before we go on, I just want to ask, when when I'm talking, am I sounding really watery? No. No, I can hear you just fine. Okay. Yeah, you sound normal to me. Does it sound watery to you? Yeah, it, when 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 I'm hearing it, I'm hearing it is kind of broken up and watery. So, but if you can hear me and you guys can hear each other clearly, then it's probably recording correctly. This. <laughs> well, if it's not recording correctly and we all sound like we're underwater, we'll just call this the mermaid episode. Okay, cool. <laughs> we can do this. This will be the sea pony episode. Yep. Um, one of the things I wanted to say about, um, you know, trying a different materials, if you sculpt with epoxy sculpt on a pony, you can actually use nail enamel or nail polish on the actual sculpted part, and it will not flick, it will not chip off. It's fine. So if you want to get some of those real metallic effects, like say you're doing armor on a pony, um, you can actually just go buy a silver or gold nail polish and paint the sculpted parts with nail polish, and it works fine. Well, that would probably work out a lot better than some of my silver and gold paints, because that's yes. hard to get on a good coat on there without it looking, you know, kind of globby. And, well, and actually, um, for metallics, there's several techniques you can use to uh, make it more effective, more... Um, I guess you'd say metallic looking. I don't mean to sound redundant, but um, what you need to do, uh, say you're using gold or silver, actually both work, um, you want to base coat it in a darker color before you put the metallic on because the metallic over the darker color will actually appear more metallic. Oh, and then also you can always tint, tint the metallic colors. Say you want bronze, but you don't have bronze paint. So what you would do is you'd paint it gold, and then you would take a tint of, a, you know, a reddish brown or a brown, and then lightly, like a wash, I guess you would say, um, and then put that over, and it will make it appear the bronze color that you're looking for. You can also use alcohol ink over your um, gold or silver paint. Excellent tips. You can also use on epoxy sculpt or sculpey. Um, you can also use oil paint. Just not on. I don't have any experience on the actual pony of using it, but if you if you have oil paint handy, I know probably a lot of people don't. Um, but if you do, you can use that on both 
epoxy sculpt and sculpey. Now, the nail polish, I don't know if you can use on sculpey. I've never really tried that. I haven't really played with oils too much. But what I, I've been searching for seemed to make, you know, that mirror chrome look that the Oh, okay. Don't... Yes. Um, what you're going to want to get, uh, what is the brand? I'm trying to think. I want to say it's Sargent, S-A-R-G. ENT, you can get it at Dick Blick. It's called um, Mirror Finish or Mirror Mirror. Um, now, you're going to pay for it. It's like $20 a bottle. So if you really need that look, it's definitely worth the, worth the investment. I've also looked into things like the um, fake plating, but that's just outrageously expensive. It's like $4,000 to start it. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> That's not going to work. But also, you can make it look more chrome-like by um, highlighting it. Um, so you paint your base uh, silver, right? And then you're going to come in with a like a pearl-silver mix. And then, you know, highlight it with... I like to use zinc white, which is um, not an opaque white, but more of a... It's meant for blending, and then highlight it where the light would naturally catch. Um, and what I do for that is I usually shine a flashlight on it or put it under my lighting the way it's going to display. And then you can just highlight it where it looks like it's already highlighted by the light. But for the true chrome effect, you want that mirror mirror. Actually, it's on my wish list right now. I got to play with it at a friend's house, and I've been hooked ever since. I hear so children. Is... <laughs> oh, yeah, the kids outside are playing. Mine came outside and then went back inside because they saw that I was on the phone. Good training. Woo! Oh, here they come. <laughs> My son actually just lost his first tooth last week. Oh, wow. I'm on the radio, sweetheart. Yeah, he got a visit from the Tooth Fairies last night. Very he was cool. A bottom, yeah, it was a bottom tooth, and he made out like a bandit. He got like three fifty. I didn't get any money like that until I lost my molars. Mm. Yeah, three. that is pretty good. I have to just get a dollar for each tooth. Yeah, for like the regular teeth, I got a dollar. I think I think when I lost my front, my front front teeth, you know, your top front teeth, I think I got mm-hmm. like two dollars, maybe, maybe three, but not until like my molars did I get anything decent. But he said something that blew my mind. He said he wanted to save his money, which my son is not about saving money. He's like, I got money, let's go spend it. <laughs> He said that. I was just like, are you sure? Okay, cool. Awesome. Well, very good. Yeah, having a uh, six-year-old and husband and trying to find time to do customs also is difficult. Yeah, I imagine that is a lot of juggling. 
I'm lucky that I work from home so I can make my hours as I see fit. But my son is at the age where now when he sees mom paint, he wants to paint. And he's actually very good at painting for his age. And he's actually better at painting than he is coloring with a crayon. He always tells me, mom, crayons are for babies. I don't need crayons. I want paint. Can I have your paint? Oh, I like that paint color, Mom. It's just like, oh, no. <laughs> no, that's Mommy's, like, $15 paint, sweetie. You can't have that one. <laughs> oh, has has he expressed any interest in, like, maybe doing one of his own custom ponies? He hasn't done any custom ponies, per se, but he did work on a little pet shop frog, which I have above my desk. He just kind of, you know put a paintbrush to it with some paint. He didn't do anything crazy with it, but he's getting there. He is always asking me why there's not more boy ponies. So we do watch, uh, he's got my old VHS from the G1 line, and we do watch Friendship is Magic together. And so and if I can't find a bait, more often than not, he has it, so... <laughs> he, especially, well, he especially likes to play when I've decapitated a bait and I haven't put it back together. He loves to run off with the head. I don't know if that's disturbing or not, but he's a boy, so I assumed it was normal. He likes Power Rangers, though, too, so there's always the floating head sword on. Uh-huh. So I always see him playing with them with the Power Rangers, so I, I assume there's Zordon's pets or friends or whatnot. Makes sense that floating head would have a floating pony head for a pet? Y- yeah, you know, I I would think so. I've seen a big change in the customizing world. Seems like a lot of the customizers who came in around the same time that I did they don't really frequent the arena anymore. They frequent more of Facebook. And, of course, some of the people who were doing it before me, I just don't see them at all anymore. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people that um, they're putting stuff on Facebook just because when you start on the arena, you're on it all the time, and then after a while it's kind of like, eh... I just want to post stuff. I like maybe one thread and not really worry about all the other posts. Yeah. And I I can say that my my time on the area has probably definitely dwindled down. I used like I like you were saying, I used to be on it all the time from the time before I would start work to the time I went to bed. You know, on and off, but it just got to the point where I don't know, I just there wasn't as many uh, relevant topics to really look at. I think a lot of it, you know, I love G4s too, but I think a lot of it is switched over to the G4 fandoms and uh, people who only care about those. And, I, you know, I'm a pony lover through and through. I don't care what generation it is. I, you know, I like it. So... <laughs> Yeah, and I'm seeing a couple of your um your G customs on here, and I love the hairstyles you've got on them. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I get a lot of people who uh, 
who um, specifically know me for that very reason. And if they saw my hair in real life, my real hair, they'd be like, you really saw my hair? Um, <laughs> were the G4s a bit of a challenge when you started them? or? Um, Cause I know a yes lot of customers no. had trouble with the, the neck plugs. Well, I had I had watched um, I think it was Okie Girl. I think it was Okie Girl who did a tutorial on how to remove the neck plug and everything with boiling water. I tried it. Me and boiling water and neck plugs do not get along. Me and boiling water and hair and hair, like hair dyeing and stuff, we get along great. But um, and I was thinking, well, they're heating it up to get it soft. So what if I use a hair dryer? And it works like a charm. Um, there was a little bit of a learning curve on as far as um, on some of them I needed to actually cut cut the ring out. And I had a couple exacto slips, I'm not going to lie. Luckily, I didn't hurt myself, but um, those ponies didn't have neck plugs put in, so they didn't, their heads didn't turn. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as, um, you know, there was... About a week I struggled with it, I guess. Um, The hairstyling part, the only part I had issues with, um, and again, because of my weird habit of trying new products, new things, um, was pin links. You know, um, if you pin through the hair and it goes out of the head or it goes into the neck plug, it's going to be a problem. So the way I found around that is, um, one, you can take the ball off, use a strong wire snip and cut under the ball and put the ball back on so your pin is actually shorter. Or my favorite, map pins. You know, to pin your location on a map? Oh, yeah. They're sharp, they're short, and you can get them in an array of colors, types, I mean, you can get pretty fancy ones, or, you know, you can get your normal ones. Um, and those work the best on G4s and babies. Because huh. I, I had run into that problem a couple times with babies where the pin tried to go through the head. And, you know, it, once you take the pin out, it's not a big deal, but I always know. You know, I'm like, oh, there's a pin hole right there. Oh, there's a pin hole right there, you know. <laughs> And it drives me nuts. I'm a little bit of a perfectionist. Okay, I'm a lot of bit of a perfectionist. Drives my husband nuts, but. Well, you know, that that makes for good art, though. Well, I appreciate it because I, I, I do try. <laughs> well, I think just about every customizer drives themselves a little crazy with um, the tiny little details on stuff and I agree yeah it, it it shows when you put a lot of work into something well and if you're if you're any type of artist that works in any any medium really I mean most of us are already drawn to detailed things hold on I have to open a soda um so we automatically are already looking for those tiny details, those tiny flaws. And sometimes it can drive you nuts on a piece that you're done, but you see this and this and this wrong with it. So I've kind of learned if you get in a position like that where all you see are flaws when you look at the finished piece, 
set it down, walk away for a week, then come back to it. And usually you won't see those flaws like you were seeing. Because sometimes when you're working on something so dedicated, you can't see the bigger picture of it. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay. I was going to say, sometimes they don't make sense. I do live in my own little bubble sometimes. So if anybody messages me with questions or anything like that, I'm always open to answer. But if I take a day or two, I'm not ignoring you. I just, I live in my own little world. My husband, Josh, calls it a bubble. (laughs) Actually, Shannon Andrews would tell you the same thing. Well, I think we all have our own little bubbles that we that we live in. I think I that's think you have like, to. Yeah. yeah. Maybe mine's a little thicker shelled than other people's. I don't know. Once in a while, Shannon will get on my Facebook. I miss you, and I will promptly contact her and be like, "I'm alive. I'm here." You know, no, I but think I that love might be part artistic temperament though I think that's part of the artistic you have these these periods where you just want to talk to everybody and you're like hey how's it going and then you get involved in something or you get in a funk and you just kind of you know close ranks and until you get out of that either that project that you're working on or that funk that you're in like I, I, I definitely enough. agree with that. I think I think anybody who can love or be friends with an artist is a phenomenal person because I think we're probably <laughs> the hardest to live with or get along with because I, I do agree that most artists I know, they do get in funks. And it's usually about they're not happy with what they're working on or they're unmotivated, which makes them unhappy. <laughs> I know when I get unmotivated, and it happens, I, I suffer from tension headaches and fibromyalgia. And when I'm hurting too bad and I can't work on what I want to work on, it puts me in a bad mood. And so I just kind of shut everybody else out. And I know quite a few other artists that are the same way, whether it be health reasons, family reasons, what have you. But we just kind of, I don't know, we have our own particular personality kind of type, I guess. Yeah. Maybe we're a little crazy, but we make the best people, right? (laughs) Yes. Well, you know, slightly uh, eccentric is always the best kind of people to hang out with. And that's what artists tend to be. People flock to us. They do. Well, when you make cool stuff. (laughs) I have friends that... Go ahead. Finding the real friends out of the people that flock to you, though, is the tricky part. That is true. I I have to admit, I have made some amazing friends um, in the pony community and also um, customers that have, you know, um, commissioned me or bought my works in the past. I've met some, and this is all over the world, I mean, people that I've never met, of course, um, and they're just so phenomenal and so caring, some of the most caring people you will ever meet. 
And I couldn't have found that in my town. I, I live in a fairly, well, for California, it's a fairly small town of about 50,000. And I have at least one friend that I know of in town <laughs> that I consider a good friend. And I have to say that I probably talk to my pony friends more often than I talk to her. Not because, you know, we don't get along, just because she doesn't really, she wants to do art, but she always finds an excuse not to. She's kind of one of those I don't believe in myself people, and I've tried coaxing her out of it and to no avail. So, but you know Life gets in the way of everybody. That's how it goes. I mean, life comes first, of course. Even though all of us artists wish it did. Yeah, you got to do those annoying things like go to work and eat, do sleep. chores and sleep and yeah, and eat. If I didn't sleep, I would have so much time to paint. I know. <laughs> No, my yeah, I, I, I I like those nights when everybody else is asleep and I can't sleep because I do have once in a while I have insomnia issues and then I can just stay up and paint alone or sculpt. Although I do my best sculpting in the morning, um, and those nights are usually the most productive nights. No breaking for dinner, no breaking because Nova skinned his knee or <laughs> you know. But I think yeah, as I'm an artist, I think you look for those moments, those brains yeah. where you can just work. I guess it's just a labor of love. Now, when when you first, uh, when your kids were little, uh, were, were you, how old are your kids? Were any of them little, little? And um, My son started? is six. My son is six, and he was, he's, he's actually born on April 1st. He's an April Fool's baby. He Aww. fooled me because he was supposed to be born on May 2nd. But I knew from the beginning, like about three months along, I knew it was going to be April 1st. I just had this gut feeling. And uh, he was not, you know, in any way considered premature except for the date. I mean, he was a healthy almost seven pounds. He was 21 inches long. You know, I mean, he was a healthy baby. Um, and in the beginning, I started when he was about, let's see, I started in, I want to say, August or September. No, maybe October. I started in October of the same year. So he was still fairly young, and he wasn't really mobile. So he would just hang out with me, and um, I would paint and, you know, my poor jeans suffered because anytime he needed me, I'd just wipe my hands on my jeans and go. I still do that. It's a bad habit, but that's okay. And um, then it, it got a little challenging when he started getting mobile because at that time, the desk I worked on um, was hand level. And there were many times where paint was spilled everywhere. Ponies were ruined, or I thought at the moment, of course, I was able to fix them. Um, and then, I don't know, he got a little bit older and he figured out what I was doing and he just, he's never 
really touched it since. And now he's so used to not messing with my desk that if he has a toy that he needs fixed, because mom is the fixer because she has every glue in the world, of course, um, <laughs> he, he comes to me and asks, can I put this on your desk? I need it fixed. I'm like, okay, yeah. But he won't even, he doesn't even want to touch my desk. It's like, okay. But he'll come and, like, uh, stand right next to me while I'm painting and watch me. He likes to watch the sculpting a lot, and he gets his Play-Doh out, and he'll sculpt with me while I do that. Or I let him play with my Fimo. So they actually do sculpt um, miniatures with Fimo, too, just not very often. But, yeah, he's actually pretty interactive. Um, if I ever need an opinion on something, I usually go to him first because he will tell me straight out. Oh, yeah, kids kids can be brutally honest sometimes, but that honesty is uh, is good. As long as you can take it, that's the thing. As long as you can take the brutal honesty, then it's a great asset to have. Um. My husband, he's honest as well, but when I'm talking about color, like, do these colors look okay together? You know, mm-hmm. my husband doesn't see color the way I see it. You know, I see 50 million extra shades, and he's just like, yeah, it's red and green or whatever. And my son is more like me. He sees the differences in the colors. And he'll be like, I don't know, Mom, it needs a little more blue on it. You know, that purple is a little too red colored. I'm just like, okay, you're right. I shouldn't have even asked, but I did. <laughs> well, but that's nice I guess to have... maybe he's perfectionist like me. <laughs> a little good and a little bad, I guess. We do both have a little bit of OCD in us, too. But I'm looking forward to as he gets a little bit older and I can, you know, of course I'm not going to let him rehair anything anytime soon, but when he gets more of the concept of really laying down paint and stuff, I really I have some baits that I have saved actually special for that occasion. And even his teacher has told me, you know, Nova does not like to color. Like when they show his coloring pages, it scribbles. It's just scribbles. You know, it's not even, he doesn't even try. Actually, one time I watched him go through a whole coloring book, making one one mark on each page, like, systematically. And then um, she was like, he just doesn't, he doesn't like to color. He doesn't like to draw. And I said, give him a paintbrush. And they gave him, they did a painting activity. And she was just like, you were right. And I was like, I paint at the house. I'm a painter because I do canvas painting as well. And oh, wow. um, I don't, I might have one picture on my DeviantArt. I don't know what it would be under at the moment. Um, but I have a couple others I need to debut. And she was just like blown away because the other kids had no experience with paint. And it was more like, you know, some grass a green ground, a blue sky, a yellow circle. And my son made our family and had the knowledge to even make flesh tone. So oh, cool. She was, yeah, she was just like, oh, 
uh, you're right. He knows how to paint. I was like, you know, I don't color color like with crayons, but we have them. But most of the time, we're painting. We're not <laughs> we're not coloring with crayons. Well, so I know, hope when, he takes after me. When you learn to use that that one medium, you're stuck on that for a while, and it's it's hard to go to a different tool. It is. I mean, I mean, yeah. When I was a when I was kid, I remember I was, coloring. Yeah, I used to do a whole lot of that, and I would sketch for a long time, and it took me a while to go over to um, doing customizing, just because painting was difficult. It was it's, it's See, and completely different. I am from so envious you know, that you can sketch. <clears throat> I can't sketch to save my life. I can, but it takes me a very long time. And what I mean by a long time, you know, like the journal pages, I want to say they're like, I don't know, 4 by 7, 4 by 6, something like that. It takes me probably a good to do a whole page, not doodling, just a real sketch. It probably takes me a good 48 hours continuous to do that. Give me a paintbrush and it'll be done in an hour. I'm the exact opposite. Painting takes me forever. Well, and the weird thing about it for me, what stumps me about that whole quandary is I was in art in school. I was in RP art, and I did sketching, but it wasn't – I mean, it was good, but it – I don't know. I always felt like something was lacking, and then once I started painting, I was hooked. And I can paint a much better picture than I can sculpt. Or, I mean, I can uh, draw. Like, my the paintings that I do um, on canvas, I don't draw anything out. I just start painting it. And actually, my husband, um, for Christmas last year, got me my first set of oil paints. And so I'm going to start oil painting. My grandmother oil painted Actually, I come from artists on both sides, so. Oh, wow. My uncle on my mother's side was a jack-of-all-trades. I mean, he could paint, he could draw, he could make neon signs, you know, the glass blowing, mm-hmm. um, you name it. And then my grandmother, she was an oil painter. I mean, beautiful, beautiful work. And, of course, pieces from both of them adorn my house everywhere. Wow, that's really cool. I think I'm the only one in... Go ahead. Oh, no, you go ahead. I was going to say, I think I'm the only one in my generation that got the art bug. None of my cousins seem to be remotely interested in art. Not saying that they couldn't do it if they tried, they just don't seem to be interested. Now, what were you going to say? Well, I was going to say, as an artist, um, since you artist is such being an artist is such a big part of your life what is like the do you have certain tools that you just like can't live without that if you don't have them you have to like stop and go to the store because you cannot live without them hmm trying to think here well obviously paintbrushes although i have painted with stranger objects before um and then paint those would probably be the only two I have to absolutely have. Um, I do know how to make my own clay, although I prefer to just have clay on hand. 
Um, sculpting tools, my favorite sculpting tools are a bent sewing needle. Well, not sewing needle, a pearl pin like you would use for a hairstyle. Um, I have it bent at a particular angle, and it makes the best detailing tool around. And then really my fingers I use a lot. So I guess my hands would be my most used tool. <laughs> um, and hair. I'm, I, uh, I hate to say this, but I'm a hoarder of hair. All types. Um, I'm really a color-oriented person more so than a particular material. Um, and then for my hairstyles, I need um, some type of pin, whether it be pearl pin, flat top pin. And then um, I use my jewelry findings because I did make jewelry, and I still continue to make jewelry now. I just have changed my focus on my jewelry. So I have tons of beads at my disposal. And I'm always buying findings, you know. Um, one of my favorite things actually to raid is like if you go to a dollar store or whatnot and you find the dangly chandelier earrings, I take those apart like crazy and use them in hairstyles. So I guess my number two of them would be paint, paint brushes, and then a good sealer. Those would be my top three things that I need. I don't know. I can't really simplify it any more than that. I'm kind of a craft supply junkie, I guess. I actually have um, a corner, an L-shaped desk, which is where I do my painting. Um, and then I have a separate desk for sculpting and resin work, glass, and I would never trade that for the world. If you ever get a chance to upgrade to a glass desk, it makes life so much easier. You can clean it with acetone, and if for things like super glue, clay, resin, you take um, basically a box cutter blade or an X-Acto blade, and you can scrape it right off, and it's clean as a whistle again. I also really prefer to hear a good audio book when I'm working. That helps. I know a lot of people swear by music, and um, it's not that I don't enjoy listening to music, but I find myself dancing and moving around too much. <laughs> Get distracted by the beat a little bit? I do, or the lyrics. Because um, when I was in high school, I actually trained for opera and got accepted into an opera academy in Rome. Oh, Wow. Um, I didn't get a chance to take the opportunity because of family tragedy. Um, but so anything that I can sing to is going to make me sing. So, yeah, I have to be careful. My favorite song to listen to actually while I'm doing anything is probably the Bob Ross remix by Dubstep. Where they take his, um, it was, it was, you can check it out on YouTube under, I think it's PBS. If you're unfamiliar with it, it's basically a bunch of clips of Bob Ross and his words, and they've changed it so it's digitized into a song. I think it's called Happy Little Clouds. Great song to paint, too. If you need to cheer up or you're feeling bad about your art, you know, you're unmotivated, it's perfect. I love Bob I might Ross. Have to, I might have to go look that up because 
I love that. I, I, I remember watching him on PBS. Oh, my gosh. So good. So good. <laughs> he's such an inspiration. Really- he's such an inspirational man. Yeah, it's a really great pick-me-up song. I've used it to get myself out of a, a, an artist's depression many times. Yes, totally. The other good one on there is the Mr. Rogers one. Have you heard that one? No, yeah, I don't think so. Good. It's on the same, I think it's, I can't remember the guy who makes the music. He also makes a bunch about quantum science and stuff, which I am a geek for documentaries, so... Um, I really like those too, but the uh, Mr. Rogers one is uh, basically it's saying that if you can imagine it, you can create it. Very good. Along the same lines as the Bob Ross type of melody, very, very good. But both of those, both of those are great pick-me-ups if you're in a funk. And what artist doesn't go through them? Yeah. Uh, I think it's just part of, like you were saying, our artistic temperament. Yeah. Along with the mess, the clutter, the hoarding. It seems to be part of the process, too. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, because as soon as you come back, it seems like you can create something you didn't think you could create before. It's almost like a growing pain, I guess. Well, and it's fine. I think it's really important when you're an artist to remember that you shouldn't compare your work to other people's work because I agree. You know, you have no idea what they went through to learn those skills. They weren't just born magically, you know, the most talented artist ever, you know, and it should just be about doing the best you can do with the skills you have and trying to learn more. Exactly. And if you spend your whole time comparing yourself or trying to emulate somebody else, you'll never know if what you could produce would be better. You could be a way better artist than that person you were looking up, but if you're spending all your time being like, oh, my art's not this good, I want to look like this, I want to, you know, do customs like this, then you'll never know. And I, you know, I always tell people, don't look at somebody, I mean, be inspired by somebody else, but be inspired not to recreate what they're creating or want your specific piece to look like that, be inspired to try your best to keep going forward. Oh, and the name of that song from Mr. Rogers is Garden of Your Mind. And it's under oh, PBS yeah. Digital Studios. I'm going to write that down before I forget so that I can look it up later. It's, it's, I, I think every customizer should listen to it. Every artist in general actually should listen to that song. Yeah, it's really, the Mr. Rogers one and the Bob Ross one are really just, you you can't help but smile and feel better after hearing them. Yeah. There's been days when I was in a funk and they played pretty much nonstop for probably four or five hours until Nova, my son, knew all the lyrics. 
<laughs> and I always remember for anybody who is going through a funk right now or who experiences them on a regular basis, don't feel bad. You're not alone. And I always remember what my dad told me as a kid. This too shall pass. And I know it sounds cliche, but it's true. You're not going to be in that funk forever. Well, yeah, when you come I out mean, of it, you'll be better for it. Because whatever doesn't kill us makes us stronger, right? Man, I do sound like a cliche. <laughs> no, but, you I know, live by the it, golden it, rule, too, so. Well, it, it, well you know, it's cliche, but it's still true. It is. There's well, a reason they're cliches. Yeah, cliches are cliches because they've withstood the test of time without anybody proving them to be untrue. Exactly. And parents, I've found, are funny things. Even when you have a parent that you really don't get along with and that most of the time seems really out of it and insane, they can sometimes drop little pearls of wisdom without even realizing it. If you're you willing took to words right out of my mouth. That's what my dad <laughs> used to call them. Pearls of wisdom. <clears throat> no, I I was a um alien child. Um I probably gave my mother and father all their gray hairs. My brother was an angel. Um, and I thank them and apologize to them every day. Um, both of my parents have passed on. And they always told me that I would have a child just like me, and boy, were they right. I see, am giving my, mom, my dues and then some. <laughs> see, my mom always told me that I'd have one just like me, and I do have one just like me. Yeah. And I have no idea what she's complaining about. <laughs> mine is just the problem with mine it's not really a problem but it's frustrating is he is so smart and that is a blessing but at the same time he's so smart he thinks he can outsmart mom and dad and he can outsmart dad sometimes because dad doesn't know these tricks. I do because I used to play him all the time on my parents. And <laughs> it's just one of those things that, you know, I wouldn't trade him for the world. I love him with all my heart and soul. But smart kids, I think, make you pull your hair out faster. I do. Yeah. I really do. They put you through your paces. They do. Um, he's in kindergarten, going to be in first grade at the end of the year. And so far, he we haven't finished testing him. He has a fourth grade rating level oh. at 95%. So they're actually next week finishing his testing just to see how high. And that's comprehension as well as reading. Um, he didn't have a first word. His first quote-unquote word was actually a sentence. Oh, wow. And ever since he could walk and talk, it's just been, let's see how far we can push mom. 
And it's one of those things, you know, they always say the things that get under your skin and are your pet peeves are usually something that's inside of you. And thinking back about my childhood, he is exactly like I was. Exactly. And so I always make a point every morning when I get up, you know, I thank my mom and dad for having the patience with me and I say that I am sorry for everything I ever did wrong. Oh, because now your little bit of karma has come back and bit you in the butt, huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And my husband, he's like, I wasn't, I feel so bad for him because he was a good kid, a really good kid. Like, he didn't get into trouble. He didn't, you know, smart mouth his parents or think he was smarter than his parents. He was very well behaved as a child. And I feel so bad for him because he's a very hands-on dad He's been a stay-at-home dad since we had my son. Um, and because I work for myself from home, I'm able to be here most of the time, too, because I schedule it that way. And I just feel so bad for him because he has to put up with it most of the time. And we've had many talks about, okay, he's going to try this at this age. Okay, I'm just letting you know so it's not a surprise. He doesn't fool you. Pull the wool over your eyes. Because there's been a couple occasions where he did that. And my husband just didn't know what hit him. <laughs> like, you know, he's a little me. Think of me, at, you know, if I was that age. And then he kind of got it. And, like, so now anytime my son tries to pull something on, mom gets asked, well, what do you think, mom? Or he'll say, okay, go ask your mother. And sometimes it's fine, I don't mind. But sometimes when you're right in the middle of doing, like, you know, an intricate paint job or whatever, somebody tapping you on the shoulder just messes you all up. And you're like, ugh, really? <laughs> no, he's in what I call the um, selfish sixes. My birthday was last week. I turned 29. Woot, woot. Oh, wow. And... Um, the only thing my son could talk about all week was, well, what am I getting for your birthday, Mom? Not, what do you want for your birthday? What do you want to do, you know, or anything like that? What do I get? What do I get? <laughs> and I'm just like, oh. He thinks Christmas is, well, his birthday, you know, like I said, was in April. And ever since, it's like he'll go on these streaks. He will get spoiled rotten. You know, because if we have it, I prefer to spoil rotten, spoil him rotten as long as he's respectful and appreciative. I don't mind spoiling him when he is. And then he'll go on this streak for like a couple months, like, gimme, gimme, gimme. I'm like, oh. Do you guys remember the Garfield Christmas episode in the beginning? Uh, I think so. Where he's having Garfield's having that dream, and he gets that contraption where it makes anything he wants, and the song's "Gimme, Gimme, Gimme." Oh yeah, yeah. If not, it's a great Christmas show to watch during the holidays. Try it. It's so my son in the beginning. <laughs> Sorry, Sorry, I totally veered off topic. Oh no, that's okay. Yeah, so off topic is uh, part for the course here. Yes. Well, now you guys at least exactly. know more about me personally. Well, and that is the purpose of customizer interviews, part of it. Um, 
Yeah, yeah I don't just share a whole up. lot. I don't share a whole lot it's, of my personal life online. So, for all those interested, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> Is Pony Baby at least happy? No. Woke up cranky. Oh, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think she's getting another tooth or something. She's been cranky the last couple of days. All she's really wanted to do is. She is almost a year old. She's going to be a year old on uh, the fifth. Oh, yeah. She's probably still teething good. Yeah. She ha- she's had four for the longest time, just four teeth. And I think another one's coming in because she's usually such a happy baby. But when she gets Does she teeth, cut them one at a time or has she been doing them multiples at a time? The first two came in at the same time. Uh, the second and then the third one and fourth one came in one after, right after the other. So like... The third one came in, and then once the third one came in, the fourth one started coming in. Well, hopefully you'll get lucky, and she'll do, from now on, she'll do two at a time, because that makes life so much easier. Yeah. But, yes, they are very cranky. What do you give, what do you do for her when she's teething? Just ice rings, or? Um, those teething rings that go in the freezer, um, yeah, sometimes she chews on otter pops, um, while they're still in the plastic. She doesn't actually like the taste of otter pops. Um, and we have Is she a like teething tablet. She loves oh, yeah, fruit. those are good from Highland. Yes. Yeah, does she like fruit? Mm. She does. She loves any kind of fruit. Does she Apples, like, like strawberries? Oh, she made up 70% of, of her makeup with strawberries. <laughs> you know what a good thing to do? Free, uh, either, buy heart. either buy frozen, um, like whole strawberries or peach slices or freeze your own. And then when she gnaws on them, um, she can gnaw on them like a teething ring. But then she can, as they thaw out, she can eat them. Yeah. My son loved that. Can't get him to eat a strawberry now, but he loved him then. Bananas work good that way, too, if she likes them. They also make this little net thing. It kind of looks like the end looks like a binky or pacifier, whatever you want to call it. But then it has a net that you can put, like, an ice cube in or... You know, we put fruit in it just so they don't choke. But if she can eat solid fruit, then I don't think you'll have an issue with that. Um, I I think I bought mine at Walgreens or something like that. And that helped a lot. Yeah, she's... Super fussy. Here you go, Pompa. You want what that? I found about doing the fruit that way is that even though they're going through pain, 
they get something sweet, and so the next time it starts happening, you know, they don't complain as much. Yeah. Because they they know, okay, well, I'm going through this, so I'm going to get something sweet. At least that's how it worked with my son. <clears throat> but he, I got lucky. He cut, like, two to four teeth at a time. Actually, I didn't even know when his four-year-old molders, mold, blah, blah, blah. Is that molders? Yeah, came in molars when it came in, um, except for looking in his mouth. He never once complained about them. So I think it's because he's so rough and tumble. <laughs> I got a call last week on my birthday from the school nurse. Him and another kid were playing duck duck goose or something on the playground, and they collided head first. And he had some swelling above his eyebrow. And the nurse was more worried about it than he was because I talked to him on the phone. He's like, yeah, I'm fine, Mom. I got ice on it. I said, does it hurt? And he's like, no. But the nurse made me put ice on it. I was like, okay. (laughs) And she was like, I just want you to know, you know, she was all frantic. And, like, uh, they bumped bumped into each other. He didn't get hit. And it's swelling, but I don't think it's going to be a concussion. And, like, freaking out. And I'm like, I understand it's your job to, you know, pacify parents. And some children would have freaked out. But it's like, he wasn't crying. You know, that's when he's hurt. If he's crying, he's hurt. Because he doesn't cry for anything. And it was just kind of funny. Because I thought I was going to have to come in talking to her. And then when I talked to him, it was just like, oh, okay. He just bumped his head. He's fine. (laughs) He, he just kind of wanted to rub some dirt in it and, and walk it off kind of thing. Pretty much. Yeah, that's totally how he is. He doesn't like me to clean. Like, if he gets a scrape, he always asks me, don't clean it, Mom, don't clean it, because Ben has a big problem with peroxide. He says it hurts. I, I don't understand that. I, and, I, and I've told my husband, I think you think it's going to hurt, so it hurts, because your brain is already saying it's going to hurt. And uh, he's, don't bring your money outside, sweetie. Please put it back. I don't want you to lose it. Put it in your pocket then, okay? Thank you. Oh, yeah, he's muddy from knee to ankle. Oh, my goodness. Playing in dirt. Oh, it's not even worth buying brand new, like, dress clothes. He can't keep them clean. So I just, he's a jeans and T-shirt kid. Actually, you know my favorite to dress him in is tie-dye. Because then if he spills juice on himself or whatever, it looks like part of the pattern. Well, there you go. That's what we did on Easter. We did tie-dye t-shirts together. That's about as artistic as my husband gets. Yeah, my husband is... I haven't quite figured out his his leaning as far as artistic nature. He has a degree in advertising. Well, that's artistic in itself. It is, except I can't get him to sit down and draw anything. I mean, does he he have a normal 9-to-5 job? Yeah, he, well, he he works actually at a grocery store, so his schedule is all over the place. But he works full-time. But um, 
was going to say, if he does that all day, it's probably because he doesn't want to do it at home. He hasn't actually gone out to get a job in advertising. Um, But what I have noticed that he does like to do is he likes to arrange rooms. Like if you were to give him a room and a bunch of furniture, yeah, he wants to to make take graph paper and make floor plans and and arrange everything, and that's what. <clears throat> Have you ever thought about maybe um, going into architecture? I don't know if he would be interested. I, I would love to see him do something like that. I mean, it might take a little bit more school, but if he's already got the background in advertising, I mean, it'd probably be very easy for him because architecture is very much laid out like an ad. And I say that because I've been in both fields. I I do property inspections, and I was a contractor. But before that, my family owned newspapers, and part of my job was selling and designing ads. So it would be a logical fit. Actually, that I will have to suggest them to him. Yeah, my father and I um, were the ones who went from the newspaper to the construction, and we had to read plans and do all that. And I had thought about doing architecture, but I decided to go into code inspecting. Good at it. You know, he probably would. He really... He's... He's a bit timid about doing art because he's partially colorblind. But he's not colorblind to the point where I think it would really get in the way as long as he had a good assistant. Yeah. Well, the beauty about architecture is even if you're colorblind, you can do it. Because they don't work in those particular colors. Because isn't it red and green? Yeah, when complementary colors go up against each other, you know, or... Um, yeah. You need to talk to play. about it. Bring it up. Worst case scenario, is like, I'm not interested in that. But if he loves to arrange rooms... Oh, he does. And, and he, likes, he already is he basically drawing floor plans, and right? Sheets and, yeah. yeah, and that's part of architecture. Yeah, he. I bet he would have his um, minimum requirements already done, and he would just need the architectural classes. Yeah, I, well, actually, I think most of his classes, the important ones, would transfer. We've kind of looked into him getting a second degree, but. Well, I mean, yeah, my husband is more of the organized mind. And well, and that really is what it takes in architecture, too. What are you talking about our respective husbands? Because you do, besides drawing the plans, I mean, you have to have all this stuff charted out on graphs and on, um, I don't know if he's any good with numbers. He's really good. He is a numbers man. Okay. Well, and, and part of it is having a cost analysis of what it would cost to build it. Um, that you would give to the builders or, you know, the home 
buyers who would be building it, and then also um, you know spreadsheets about how many pieces of lumber you would need, which you would get from your drawings. But also, um, what I was going to say is in advertising, they always stress having the white space in an ad. And yeah. they do the same thing in architecture. Well, I will definitely suggest it to him. Can't hurt. And who knows? It could be the opening he, he you know, the idea, I should say, that would blow it open for him, you know, as far as, yeah, I didn't think about that. But, I mean, if he's already sketching out rooms and everything like that, I mean, he would have no problem. Is he good on a computer? Um, he usually uses a pencil and graph paper because he likes to be That's able usually to erase art lines of mistake. Yeah. But it, going through school, they teach him how to use the programs, too. Yeah. But that way, I mean, you could he could always draw something on the fly, too. Somebody wanted an idea of what it would look like. There's big money in architecture. That's and true. it doesn't matter where you are. Well, we're in Portland, and everything is constantly in the middle of being built or constructed in Portland. Like, Portland is a city that never stops building. Yeah, and, and well, the beauty of it is... Um, even if, if um, you know, you guys didn't want to stay in Portland, so you want to move somewhere nicer or, you know, not nicer, but, you know, different, um, he can always pick up and go. And he has the option. I think he's got to have, like, two or three years apprenticeship under working at a firm, and then he can open up his own and make his own hours. Nice. I mean, some of those architects get paid four or 500 bucks an hour. That would not be bad. And, and you get to choose your types of, you know, your type of um, projects you want to work on. You want to do houses? Cool. You want to do buildings? Cool. You know? I don't know. I'm always encouraging people to take their skills or what they love to do and try to do, you know, more with it. Because I'm a very ambitious person myself. And I see people who they want to do this or they want to do that, and they just they don't have anybody cheerleading them on or saying you can do it, you know. And I'm very much of the mind: if you want to do it, you can do it. Yes, yeah, I'm the ambitious one, and my husband is the go with the flow one, which is why we work so well. Okay, I'm ambitious, but at the same time, I'm go with the flow. As like like for outings and things like that, I can totally go with the flow. But when it comes to, I'm very, I I guess you'd say, um, I'm a workaholic. Um, sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes that's a bad thing. It's just me. And when it comes to that, I'm usually ambitious. You know, my goal eventually is to be a full time artist. Is that a long-term goal, short-term goal? It's however soon I can get it done. <laughs> that was actually I'm one of the happier questions I was going creating. to ask you is what is your goals as, a, as an artist? 
Yeah, I want to be um, a full-time artist. I actually, and I need to work on it, speaking of which you just reminded me. Um, I have an idea for a line of dolls that I need to sculpt out, and they're probably going to be similar to um, ball-jointed dolls, but in a smaller scale. But not like, you know how they have the smaller scale? I don't know how familiar you are with them. Um, they have the smaller, kind of chubby, like childlike looking. I want to do a smaller scale, but make them more like proportions of an actual woman. Kind of like Monster High-ish, but smaller. If I could yeah. improve on My Little Pony Designs and Hasbro wants to hire me, if you hear this Hasbro, I'm open for that. Um, I would love to, you know, work for them. Or, But really, my heart is in having my own, my own stuff. Um, I am working on a line of jewelry. It's going to be mass-produced and hopefully available in several stores. I'm working with a couple store owners right now. If I can get settled on designs. Um, but no, I would really love to, I've thought about making like my own vinyl figures, but I can't decide. I don't know. I need to sit down and sculpt. (laughs) But yeah, I would love to be, and of course I would still continue to do my one of a kind pieces. Um, but I've come to realize that in order to be a full-time artist, um, unless you're going to be doing paintings mainly, um, you kind of have to have... Well, I I should say, if you want to be a full-time artist with the kind of money that I want to make, um, you do have to have some type of line or... um, I want to say both produced, but that doesn't sound right. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, you You have to have have something that you can make a whole lot of. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, to have, like, either a mold of something or something where you can take one base and then just do repaints of it. Right, and I know how to Um, mold, and I actually know how to make ball-jointed dolls. So that was kind of my logical conclusion. (laughs) As long as I can find somebody to help me with the clothing. Because I can sew people clothing. Actually, in high school, I used to make extra cash doing that. Um, but doll clothing and I are not friends in any way. <laughs> I that just, reminds me, I have a I, doll that I need to finish. I can't execute my ideas to the potential that I see in my brain. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it, it's difficult to get it out of your head and into... Yeah, and then I'm not happy with anything else, you know. I mean, I've searched hours and hours and hours. I mean, when I'm supply hunting for something specific, I will spend weeks just looking for the same thing over and over every day until I find exactly what I'm looking for. But I just, I would probably have to design my own fabrics to make clothing. (laughs) Because I can never find what's in my brain, so... And I've tried working with materials that I already have on hand, and 
you know, I've been pretty happy with them. But it's just not the same. So as long as I can find somebody to help me make clothes, I think I might do the ball-jointed doll thing. I know somebody makes ball-jointed ponies. And I think that would be a great idea, but I don't want to, you know, encroach on their domain. I also would really love, 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 love a 3D printer. I really want one of those because I think I could do a lot of fun little things with them. You know, make little sculpts to paint and stuff like that. Then that comes down to me being able to draw it out. And we all know how I don't like to draw. Well, drawing doesn't like me, I should say. Maybe well, I see, I'd love to draw out my design. My problem, my problem with drawing out my designs is that once I actually make the pony, it's never exactly like what I drew. There's always something that worked on paper that didn't work in the actual application. Is it because of the curvature of the body? Uh, sometimes it's just because what seemed like there was enough room when I drew it on the paper, it turns out there wasn't enough room when I actually went to apply it to the pony. Ah. Or I changed my mind on the, I start off thinking I'm going to use one bait, and then it turns out I'm going to use a different bait. <laughs> a friend but of I, mine... Uh, she suggested actually affixing the paper to the pony body and then drawing your design um, while it's pinned to the pony body or taped, however you want to do it. Because I was telling her about, you know, I have a hard time with when I draw something out and then the curvature of the body. I very rarely draw anything out anymore, but that was when I was starting. And I tried it once or twice, and it worked pretty good. And that way, you know, you have enough room, you know, for your design. And then you also account for, you know, because some things don't look the same flat compared to curved. You know, like a flower, it's not going to be curved exactly the same way. So you might try that, maybe. I don't know if that would work. Now, uh, over, I remember earlier you you were talking about, you know, you should be inspired by, be inspired by people, but not inspired to copy, just be inspired by people. Um, Who in the pony community has inspired you over the years? Oh, goodness. Um... There's been so many. When I first started, let's begin there, I guess. When I first started, one of um, my biggest inspirations was uh, Love, Loreland. And let's see who else was there. Oh, what was her name? Oh, she's not, uh, not, Leek. Is that how you pronounce her name? She's used the Murponies. Um, I had run across her customs long ago. They were, you know, it was before I got back into collecting. Um, And I had found her stuff again when I started 
being on the arena and stuff like that. Because I used to Google, like, custom ponies and, like, just scour the Internet. I'm big into research. Um, and then uh, Jupy. Jupy was a big inspiration. Um, I always loved her positive attitude, just about, and, you know, the advice she would give newbies. And then over the years, I mean, I, I've been inspired by so many people I couldn't tell you um, off the top of my head. Um, trying to think. <sighs> Got to go look at my custom collection. Push. Um, she's been an inspiration. I love the fact that she thinks outside of the box. Uh, obviously, Trillian was a great artist, still is a great artist when she creates. Um, let's see. I'm trying to see here. Let's see if they have their actual names or just signatures. <laughs> Danielle Lawrence, I think is her name. Um, those are just a couple that I can name, but pretty much I draw inspiration from almost any artist that creates custom ponies because for them to actually take the time to paint and rehair or even just paint on a My Little Pony toy, um, first of all, that's inspiring by itself. You took the time to do it. Um, second of all, I think there are no bad artists I think that you can learn something from everybody. I'm a firm believer in that. Um, you know, there's everybody has a special skill or something that they excel at in the community. And I, you know, whether it's somebody's theme, you know, or the way they positioned a wing or the way they made an eyelash. I mean, it can be something simple. It can be color coordination, things like that. Um, that's what I tend to draw my inspiration from. I had so many – I saved pictures of people's ponies. Um, that's one of the reasons I stopped going on the arena so much as well because my poor computer couldn't hold anymore. Um, uh. So I had to move them over to hard drive. Well, when I moved them over, it was over 20 gigs of photos of ponies. Wow. Um, anytime, I mean, anytime you guys post on Facebook or, you know, like I said, I haven't been on the arena, but on the arena or DeviantArt that I find, you know, I, I save it. If, I, if it inspires me, I save it. And then if I'm working on a pony, the same, I keep them in folders by color. So if I'm working on a pony in a particular color, you know, I will pull up images and just look at other people's work and just use that as inspiration. I I have other folders for inspiration, but that's my uh, my big downfall right there is that huge folder. Yeah, I have to admit, I also have just an inspiration file of people who there's some part of the custom that they've done that I just think is amazing. Like, I ha I'll have a picture of one of Woozy's customs because I love the way she does her Oh, wings. yeah. Yeah, Woozy does great and, wings. And I'm still working on, on, on wings. They get better and better each time I do them. But, 
Now, do you use wire mesh, or do you use the um, same method Woozy does with wire? I use um, wire and wire mesh, and then together. Yeah, and then I, I found found a picture of hers on Deviant Art where she didn't put mesh in it. She just used wire, and she has a specific bend in it, like a loop in the middle. So it looks like a, a joint, basically. And I switched over to that after looking at that because I figured out you can position the wings much more realistically. So try it. Let me look up Lucy's. Actually, I have... Let me see if where I have that because I have in my pony folder, I also have folders for like eyes, people's eyes that inspire me. Uh, like if they do strained eyes, like with the black, the white part black or things like that, you know. Um, and then I also have sculpting and that's where I take like works in progress. Like if I find a work in progress photo of the base of where they're sculpting, like uh, Pony yeah, has been doing a lot of work in progress threads. And I'll just take those pictures and save them so when I get to a place where I need to do something similar, I can kind of look at it and get an idea of, well, how'd she do it? And I think I have that picture, but I'm not positive. I believe it was on her DeviantArt, and I want to say it was either in her scraps or, like, somewhere in the back. Because I will sit there and go through every single page. I'm very meticulous. Like, when it comes to researching things, I, you know, I don't stop until I find the answer. Hence why it took me two years to figure out water. I mean, I tried so many, so many techniques. I wasted so much money. That's okay. I know it now, and it was worth it. Oh, I see some, uh... oh, I see what you found. Yeah, it's like a picture of wire and it's bent. And you can position it like real wings. And another thing, when you're working with wings, you need to take into account, and I'm sure you probably already do, is wing structure. If you look look up pictures of real birds flying, because there's a couple, like if you type in um, wing anatomy or wing structure or wings in flight, one of those, in, any of those actually in Google, there's some really great photographs that show you different positions because one of the things I used to have problems with was the wings would look unnatural because they were in the wrong position. And, um, you know, I, I consider myself still working on wings too. So don't feel bad. I'm sure every customizer who does wings feels that way. I remember the first wings I ever did. It was for the first swap I was ever in. And I had never sculpted wings before. And I don't know why I insisted on doing this to myself. But I decided to sculpt some wings. And they look absolutely terrible. But I was so proud of them when I first did them. (laughs) I was proud of my first wings when I first did them. And they probably look horrible. I haven't looked at those pictures in a long time, though. So, What do you use to do your... um, and detailing on the feathers. I individually sculpt each feather. I do too. And um, so I mean I the use, lines and stuff. Yeah, I I I sculpt the feathers, and then to 
to make the the little details in them. Um, I I have sculpting tools from back when I used to do traditional pottery, and so uh-huh. I use them <laughs> to make the little. If you you know what works really good, if you have a pearl pen, slightly like it doesn't matter if it's a if it's an angle or if it's curved, that is so much a finer tool to get those little details in. I mean, I swear by it. It takes a, I mean, a pearl pen? Yeah, you know, like you would pin into a hairdo. Oh, Or sewing, right. a oh, sewing yeah. pin like that. Yeah, just push it, put put the tip like on your desk and like bend it a little bit. That I mean, you can keep it straight, but that way um, when you're going through the wing, it's just a lot easier. It takes less time when it's bent. And you will get much finer detail. Because I have... I have a ton, a ton, a ton of sculpting tools. I have a whole drawer dedicated to them. But that's my go-to tool when I'm making wings because it's just perfect. Well, that is, that is good advice. Because I've been looking Give it a for try. a I mean, really good... Yeah, I've been looking for a really good scoring tool for those little lines. Yeah, I've tried the also, different ways. But I, I they just always wanted mess to mention, up another wing or feather. Go ahead. Yeah. I wanted to mention that we have about 60 seconds of live audience left. And so okay. in the event that you hear some sort of a sound saying that the show is over, it's not really over because we can go into ponies after dark. Oh, okay. But yeah, give all that right. a try. It works better than any razor blade. or I've tried all those. And they work. It's just if you're doing multiple feathers at a time, sometimes you damage the other feathers. <laughs> yeah, it it gets hard. Um, I'm going to do our goodbye to the live audience real quick. Pony Night Night no live audience. This is Kimono, and you have listened to Pony Talk. See you next week. Bye-bye. All right, there we go. Good old I love the music in the kimono. beginning, too. That was cool. All right. So we're in Ponies After Dark now. And what is Ponies uh, After Dark about? Well, Ponies After Dark is something that was discovered accidentally. When the show was new, uh, Pandora and one of her previous co-hosts were talking after the live live feed was over and they didn't realize that it was still recording. So they were talking about what they were going to do for the next show and all and and brainstorming and later people who had downloaded the show contacted Pandora and told her, "Hey, we really loved that part, you know, after the the live feed when you guys were talking about the next show and Pandora was like, "I didn't even know that was a thing." <laughs> And so Ponies After Dark is, 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 is what that became. And generally, if we, like in the past, I think we've talked about doing taxes in Ponies After Dark, <laughs> you know, filing tax returns. And <laughs> sometimes adult humor pops up in Ponies After Dark, although we still try and keep it 
mild adult humor. Right. Um, but it's, well, it's, I'm all for yeah, adult humor. I'm just not the uh, funniest person ever, so. <laughs> but yeah, the Ponies <laughs> After Dark is is the part of the show that people will only hear if they download the show or listen to it directly off of Blog Talk. Ah. And the thing about Ponies After Dark, though, is since it's not officially um, Live. part of the show, um, mm-hmm. once people... Like if the show disconnects them, like we lost Summer. She can't call back in and we can't call her back because the show is, it's recording what we're saying, but it's not officially part of the show. Ah, so that's kind of a bummer. (coughs) Pardon me. Did your little one calm down? Uh, Yeah. My husband took her into the bedroom, and I think they're watching Strawberry Shortcake. Ah. She's a Strawberry Shortcake girl. The new one, the one that's all computer-generated. I haven't seen that one yet. I like Strawberry Shortcake. I just haven't seen that one particularly. Rust Hub Place is a good one, too. We've tried all three versions of Strawberry Shortcake. The original, the one from the 90s where she has a straw hat. And then uh-huh. the newest one, and really the only one she responds to is the newest one, The Very Bitty Adventures of Strawberry Shortcake. Ah. I think it's a new kid thing. I think they're more drawn to the digital stuff. Well, because my son and, and loves the, digital, the new digital Care Bears. Oh, she loves new digital Care Bears. Um, I think it's because it looks so real and lifelike. Versus and the colors are brighter. Yeah. It's just really eye-catching. And so um, her first birthday party is in a couple weeks, and we're planning a strawberry shortcake-themed birthday party. We have oh, strawberry shortcake cute. cups and plates, and um, I'm hand-making the decorations, or not the decorations, but the invitations, and they're all strawberry oh, shortcake. <laughs> Now, do you do other art besides ponies? I think you do dolls, don't you? I do drawings. I used to draw a lot more than I do. And I used to even draw people, and I wasn't terrible at them, but I'm kind of terrible now because I've gotten out of practice. Out of practice. It's something that if I were to really devote some time to it again, I could probably get back up to where I used to be. But... um, when you have a one-year-old, I, it's hard to uh, have time. Yeah, I do mostly colored pencil drawing. Um, oh, I cool. used to do watercolor painting, but i Ooh. that was when I was just a long time ago. Before the I've internet been to play was with. a thing. Um, yeah, I'm really inspired made, by like Amy Brown and her watercoloring. Oh, yeah. Actually, I have a tattoo between my shoulders of an Amy Brown fairy. Yeah, my sister is getting um, an Amy Brown fairy on her arm, and it's so involved that it's taking multiple sessions to complete it. But it's going to look awesome. Right on. I have um, one of the bubble writers 
in between my shoulders. And then I have a back piece planned out that will be my whole back. And it's another one of her fairies. And the fairy has, like, her leg up, which will wrap around on my side, which I know is going to be super painful. Um, and then she's blowing bubbles. And then I'll have oh, like, bubbles coming up over my shoulder. But that takes a lot of money, and I just haven't done that yet. Yeah, my husband is very anti-tattoo, so I don't have any. Oh, is he? My husband has shoulder-to-tailbone angel wings, so I can't say he's anti-tattoo. Ah, see, I, very detailed, I want... very detailed, like, hours and I want hours shoulders and hours to... I want shoulder-to-tailbone angel wings. That's what I want to get. And my husband is a little concerned that I want giant angel wings on my back. <laughs> I'll get him some. Maybe if he saw, like, really detailed ones, he'd be okay with it. <laughs> I should get a picture of my husband's and put him on. I mean, they're gorgeous. They're just black and white. But the detailing that went, I think he put in over 20 hours. And it's got a little tag hanging off the side that says his made in 1982. And, I mean, each feather. I mean, I wish I could sculpt feathers like that. It's like, hubby, turn around and take off your shirt so I can sculpt this feather. Thinking about it. No, and he has one other one. I have four. I have a clover on my foot, a clover on my hip, one on my palm, a star on my palm, and then my biggest one is my bubble rider in between my shoulders. And she actually glows under the black light, too. Are you there? Yeah, yeah, I'm still here. Oh, okay. I just didn't hear you. And I was like, uh, my phone buzzed because maybe it was messaging me. And I was like, uh, I don't know if she is there anymore. No, I love, love black lights. And I actually just got this new paint. I'm so excited to just try it out. It's clear during the day. And that glows under the black light. And I wanted you a pony. I wanted you, um, you when you were looking through my stuff, you might have seen a, a G4. She's really neon. Her name is like Psychedelia. I want to do one similar with mushroom, like a mushroom landscape on her, but I want to do it in this clear paint that only glows under a black light, and part of what would come with her would be this little six-inch mini black light. I think that would be really, really, cool. really, really awesome. I'm just trying to figure out how to paint with it since it's clear, you know. I'd have to paint under a black light, which is fine. You know, I've done makeup that way. I was actually a makeup artist um, way long ago in high school and after high school. Um, so I know how to do that. And actually, if you look through my Facebook, there's a lot of makeup pictures. <clears throat> yeah, I've, I've, I've done a lot of artistic things over the years because um, my grandma's an artist, my dad is really artistic, but it's only in the last couple of years that he's been willing to admit to himself or to anybody else that he has any sort of artistic talent, 
which has been sort of a point of contention between me and him because you knew he always said I I knew and I could see it but since he always told himself that he had no talent and that art was a pipe dream he kind of imposed that view onto me and my sister and both me and my sister are very artistic so he was never very supportive because uh. he could never see that in himself. You know, so he, even though I wonder he didn't if somebody like had told dad, him that it was a pipe dream before. I'm sure. I'm sure Grandpa told him because, from what I understand, um, all I knew about my grandpa, he died when I was very young, was that he used to call me and my sister his pretty girls, and he gave us toys, and, and that's that's really all you need from your grandpa before the age of six. So right. Um, apparently, my grandpa was actually a giant asshole. He was a terrible father, a terrible husband. He was not a, a mm, nice guy. I bet he people. did then. I bet and he imposed that view so, on him. Yeah, so I, I get the feeling that for a long time my dad parroted what he had been told. You know, go out, right. get a job, keep your nose clean, cut your hair, or if you're a girl, grow it long. Um don't do art. That's stupid, you know. Very, and you know, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are in your dad's position where they do have talent and they've been told so many times that they can't do it or they shouldn't do it. That's the major major one is that they shouldn't do it because there's no money in it. You won't go anywhere. And it's so sad you know, when you can see, like, in everything that they do, that there is an artist there. And sometimes you can tell by the temperament. Yeah, well, my dad, he does... He does fused glass now. And my dad can do all sorts of things. He used to do jewelry making. He used to make bubble pack racks for, like, mint and package Hot Wheels to be displayed. Oh, okay. You know, it just he's he's a genius with pavers. He he works in construction. And ah. he's a uh, Well, I just know what there's a really lot to be said for construction and being kind of artistic. Really. I mean, it is kind of its yeah. own art form. But it's an art form that people don't see as art. I could see where he was kind of browbeated down about not being an artist and he chose to do that instead. Like, it's the closest I'm going to get to. Well, I'm glad he's finally doing it then. Yeah, it's really great. I'm going to see if I can send you a link. I don't know if you'll be able to see his work because I don't know what his settings are on Facebook. But if if you can't see them when I send you the link, I'll save the pictures on my computer and I'll send them to you that way. Okay. Um, I'll be looking at them here in a little while. Yeah, it's just... When I get back on the computer. <laughs> I used to watch my dad, um, like, if he, when he'd be on the phone. If there was a pencil or a pen and a piece of paper, he would doodle. And it wouldn't My be, I mean, that. it would just, 
be these super detailed drawings, but to him they weren't art. He was just doodling. Yeah. See, my dad felt about art like your dad used to, and he was in advertising. So I think that was the closest he, you know, really got to it. But, yeah, when he'd be on the phone, he would do doodles like that. Maybe not as, you know, he liked to do, like, funny. He could have been a cartoonist, I think. He did funny little drawings and stuff and little characters. And... How does your husband feel about it? Has there ever been any about... bones of contention between you and your husband about it? About your art? Um... Just that he, you know, he has a real world job and I'm an artist. So a lot of times when I, if I have a piece that I want to do to sell, to bring money into the household, a lot of times it's the last thing to get done because, you know, it's not a pay by the hour yeah, it's not right. a pay-by-the-hour thing, and, and so it's kind of treated as a hobby when it's not supposed to be a hobby. It's what I'm supposed to be doing so I can stay home and take care of the baby and bring in money. Make some extra money, yeah. But it's, uh, yeah. I just ask because sometimes um, in the past my husband has, openly stated that he hates ponies because of my customizing them. Because not necessarily that he doesn't like my work, but because of the time it takes away from him. His words, not mine. And I just wondered if other people ever go through anything similar. He's he's okay with it now because he's realized the last two Christmases we've had, my ponies have completely paid for our Christmases. And I spoil both of them rotten during Christmas, so. Yeah, when I first started doing it, my husband, I think, felt like like I was pouring all my energy into making these these silly toy ponies. And um, but as Hold on one. the years have gone Go by, he's gotten a little bit better. Yeah. Hold on one second. I have a crying child. What happened? I'm sorry. I know you're sorry, but what happened? I hit him in the face. With what? Okay, you put that down. Look at him and apologize. I did. No, just look at him and say, I'm sorry, it was an accident. I'm sorry, it was an accident. Austin, are you okay? Let me see. Where do you hit you? Let me see. Go like this. Oh, they're pearly and white. You want to come inside for a little bit? No. You want to keep playing? Be okay? Yeah. Did it scare you more than it hurt? Okay, let's not play with the bat anymore, boys, okay? Okay. Give him a hug. He didn't mean to hurt you, okay, Austin? Had a catastrophe. They were playing with this plastic bat, and one of them got hit. And it scared him. Huh. Didn't really hurt him, it just scared him, but Well that's good. One of the scariest things that ever happened to me was uh my 
my friend Cammie called. She's got two boys. <laughs> and they're about three years apart. And she called up one day crying, and I managed to get out of her that her oldest had hit the youngest in the head with uh, a kid's rake. Oh, okay. And he was bleeding. And her husband had the car. And so I, I had to drive to her house to pick her and the kids up to take the youngest to the hospital. Was he okay? Oh, he he ended up being just fine. It they super scared him more than anything. So, ah. yeah, it, it it looked bad because both of her kids are blonde. So oh. you get you get blood and blonde hair, and I'm dyed blonde does. right now. <laughs> well, and plus a head a head bleeding wound, they bleed more. You know, just naturally. But yeah. I'm sure it was really scary. I think yeah, I did it was it was pretty. But, uh, yeah, it it was pretty scary. But uh, yeah, I'm happy that it, he wasn't seriously injured. The doctor took a look at it and is like, "Yeah, it's it's just a flesh wound, a little super glue." <laughs> I was just about fine. to say that. <laughs> Yeah, if the doctor heals it with super glue, you're fine. <laughs> as long as they're a good doctor. They're trying to super glue yeah. your arm back on, then we have a problem. Yeah. So do you like to watch like, TV guy. shows or movies when you're doing any customizing? I like to watch shows like there used to be a show on and it's not on anymore but it was called making monsters and oh okay i saw that one yeah i love to put that on while i if i had something to sculpt it was being a pill Mm -hmm. because i would watch these and they're like creating these giant mammoth things in like 24 hours for you know a convention and i'm like it, it inspired me to finish my project. Right. And Do you uh, want, did you watch Creature Shop? Yeah. That was good. I like that one too. I'm so glad who won. And then, what about Face Off? Do you watch that one? Oh, I love Face Off. Although the, oh, I have to admit, the last couple of seasons. I haven't been as impressed with the people that they have on have had on the show. I think they're trying but to pump it out I'm too hope- fast. Because they're doing two shows a year. I mean, at the finale, I- they had a commercial for the next season. Yeah. You know, and I understand, you know, it's hot right now, so of course you're going to push it to all it's worth. But, you know, I mean... But eventually you're going to start running out of talented people. (laughs) Yeah. Eventually you're going to start taking on, you know, people that didn't make it to the shows, if they're not already. Yeah. So... I like the um, cosplay one, too. That one frustrates me, because I used to cosplay. I used to cosplay, and the way they portrayed cosplay on the show really kind of depressed me because it 
play is it, it should be fun. More than anything else, it should be fun. It shouldn't just be for skinny people or people who look like anime characters. It should be for everybody, whether you're tall or short, whether you're fat or skinny. And they have these, these model-like girls on there. And in one of the episodes, these girls all got together for lunch. And they were I talking about one. their pet peeves. And, and, and one their of them said something about... Were, yeah, when, when girls who don't have the figure for a character try to cosplay as that character. Yeah, and they get upset when they're being judged. And I remember it, I was already on the same wavelength with you. I knew what you were going to talk about. And, yeah, that irritated me, too. The thing I like about it is watching them fabricate the costumes and the props. Yeah. <clears throat> and, I mean... I could tune out the rest. I did. Well, and I, when they were going through their struggles with fabrication, I totally understood, you know that mindset when you have a deadline and you're trying to make something and it's just not working and you start going into that cranky, panicky mode, I have done that. Mm -hmm. So I I totally understand that part. I just didn't like the kind of elitist attitude that, you know, you should look like Yaya or you need to look – if you're going to cosplay as Rika from Final Fantasy, whatever Final Fantasy that was that I didn't play because I didn't have that system, <laughs> you have to be, you know, in a super tall, skinny, you know, blonde chick. Or, you know, you, you're you not really a cosplayer if you don't make your own wig. Yeah, I'm sorry, you know, I as talented as I may try to be. I'm just, I just don't have time to learn every aspect of every art that has ever existed. Right. <laughs> you know, See, I would if, love, I would love to cosplay. My problem is, is I'm not familiar enough with most of the characters. Well, like, my very first cosplay was Yomiko Reedman from the anime Reader Die. I don't know if you're familiar with that one. I'm not. I am totally not familiar with probably 90 to 95% of animes or those types of video games. Well, Yomiko Reedman is, she's a character that's older for an anime character. She was, like, 25 in the in the first reader die, she's got long dark hair, and she's a nerd, and her hair is never quite brushed, and and all she does is read, and she wears a black skirt, a white blouse, a brown vest, um, and a little like a red tie. It's her work uniform, because she works oh, okay. at the Library of England, and that's her work uniform, and um. And But it's not a complicated cosplay. In fact, right. even though I have almost no sewing experience, I sewed my own vest. It wasn't really a functional vest. I flipped it over my head. Like, I don't know anything about making buttonholes or anything. But, but that's I just what, have a setting on the sewing machine. 
yeah, most of my outfit was was bought from the store. You know, it was a plain black kind of pencil skirt and a white blouse from Goodwill and a red tie from I think J C Penny. But yeah, I mean, I had I love I still love playing cosplaying that character. Um, but by the standards of heroes of cosplay, I wouldn't have been a real cosplayer because I don't know how to sew. So since I can't make everything all on my own, I'm not a real cosplayer. I'm, I think they're probably, and they didn't say this directly or really come across this, but I think they're talking about more of like the competition to win money. But everybody should be allowed to enter the competition, whether, you know, it's... That's true. Especially if money is on the line. Yeah. Because, you know, as long as everybody did the best they can, I mean, sometimes... Yeah, I mean, I felt like... They were portraying a very specific branch of cosplay and making it seem like that was all cosplay was and making it almost seem like you shouldn't cosplay if you couldn't cosplay the way they cosplayed. And they were almost kind of like, I want to say almost the corporate cosplayers because all of them seemed to have an agenda to make their life's work cosplay. Did that make sense? Yeah. Well, and I can totally see, you know, like, if you want to have, if you want to be a professional costume designer or costume (coughs) maker, how winning competitions like that can help. But I think just entering a competition like that. Well, just yeah, entering competition is going to help because people are going to see your work. But that one girl who make, did, um, oh, she did the meat dress and the, not the meat dress, but the Alice dress and the, she was the um, female, oh, she was the female rocketeer and stuff. She did a good job, man. I'd hire her. No, I've always wanted to cosplay, and I do have, like, my own persona. That's actually where the the term Rainbow Dark comes from, because I was my own character. I got paid appearance fees to show up at local clubs and gay pride and all these things. But it was never an actual comic book character or anything. It was just somebody I created. And the thing is, is I don't, I think know enough about the different genres. I could probably cosplay some Doctor Who or, you know, some, um, I know, Vampire Hunter Me You. That's about it. Well, and that's the thing is is you you can... X-Men, I guess. It doesn't have to be something that's, like, current right now. I mean, Reader Die has been finished for, you know... I wonder if anybody Eight does years, Resident Evil years? stuff, because I like that. I, I don't know if I've seen Isn't a lot of Resident Evil. pretty much any Evil. character? Yeah, it can be any character. I've cosplayed as Sheena. 
from Tales of Symphonia, because I absolutely adore that video game. Um, I like Dark Cloud. Yeah, Cloud Cloud is a, is a is a fun one. There's been there's lots of Sephiroth and Vincent's. Um, but yeah, I think it should be a character that you feel passionate <laughs> about. I think should be the only thing. Don't just dress up like a character because she looks like you. Right. Pick a character that you love. And it doesn't matter if you have the same build because 99% of the world, uh, you know, isn't built Those like characters a are fake. <laughs> right. Those characters you are fake for a reason. Characters. I mean, Sailor Moon characters, their, their legs are twice the size of their body. The only people who can cosplay that correctly are supermodels. And they don't have the boobs for it. Yeah. So, I I think... Well, if you have some good recommendations for, like, either games or anime or even, you know, the... um, I don't know what they're called. The anime, like, novels and stuff that you think I might like, just send them my way. Yeah, it's... I'm kind of just, well. Just, it seems like we like some of the same shows, so. And you I know, know whatever TV does shows do you like? Vampire. You should totally do Vampire Princess Mew. Nobody does her anymore, and I love Vampire oh. Princess Mew. Oh. I do too. Well, I know, like I know how to do makeup. I know how to do wigging. Prop making shouldn't be that difficult, com- considering that. I play with so many different materials and I know how to use so many different tools. And then I know how to sew. People close anyway. It just, and, yeah, and I, I like to dress up and pretend and play and have a good time and a good adult time, I should say. Not like adult adult, but you know what I mean. With like-minded adults, I should say. Yeah, someday I'd like to dress up as Moon Dancer from the you know the original G1 Moon Dancer. She's always been that would be cool. Um, my favorite is actually one that was not on the TV show, not that I've seen anyway, and that is um oh is her name Dainty Dahlia, the perfume pony that's gray, like gray gray. Wait, which one? I think she's a perfume pony, perfume puff pony, and she's gray. Like, her body is flat gray. And I think her name is Dainty Dahlia, but don't quote me on that. I'm not positive. But she has always been my absolute favorite. And I think it's just because she's a gray pony. I love the I, color gray. So. The only gray po- pony that the only, I only know two gray ponies. Um, which are and those are are Snuggle. Snuggle is another one of my favorites. Now this one is in the Perfume Puff line. You know the ones with the really super afro hair, which I wish I knew what that hair type was because I was so by it. I'm pretty sure her name's Dainty Dahlia, but I'm not positive. I will I will look for her because I didn't think. I thought until the G4s that there weren't any gray ponies besides Snuzzle. No, there was one other one. I actually own all of them, but did you do? Oh, here's my pony book. 
Let me look it up. I have it right here. Yes, I have The World of My Little Pony by Deborah L. Birch. I think I have that. It's a good little, like, reference guide. I love the um, Little Litters, too. Well, Pillow Talk is kind of grayish, which I have her and love her, too, but that's not the one I'm talking about. I've always wanted a little sweet cake. She's like a blue. She's blue, but she's kind of got a, I don't know, light blue, grayish tint to her. Actually, I'm working on a custom G3.5 snuzzle, and I'm doing sculpted hair, and I'm having the hardest time. I've torn her hair off several times because I can't figure out a hairstyle that I like for her. Are you going to sculpt it in a style or just down? Um, well, I mean, each of the, uh, I've done some of the other ones, and I've tried to give them each a different hairstyle. And, like, oh, okay. some of them, a, lot of, a lot of the hair has been down or flying backwards, depending on whether they're running or walking or whatever. Um, yes, that is correct. It's called Dainty Dahlia. It just seems like Dahlia. should have really cute hair. And... I just can't seem to find one that I, speaks to me yet. Hmm. What about like a bun with tendrils that, coming down? I tried to do curls, like sculpted ringlets, but I, I couldn't get them to fall right. You know who does it, good sculpted ringlets? They're simplistic, but really good. Is um is her name Berry Mouse? She did a bunch of henna ponies, like some of them had like dreadlock looking braids. I know she uses a different medium. Are you using epoxy or sculpey? Um, I've tried using both. You would definitely be able to get more detail with sculpey because you don't have to, you know, bake it right away. I would what I would do and like like I said before I'm a firm believer in research. I would look up sculpting hair tutorials or Google clay sculpted hair in clay. I'm gonna give you a link too. Um it's a very good site. There is some sculpting things on there, but I don't believe they talk about hair. It's massivevoodoo.blogspot.com. And you can go up on their articles part and look up tutorials. They have amazing tutorials, basing tutorials, painting tutorials, light and shadow tutorials, um, all kinds of cool stuff. You should definitely check them out. Uh I I religiously look at them all the time. But yes, that pony was named Dainty Dahlia. I'm going to grab my book here. Now that I can get up, the baby wanted some attention, so down for a second. Here, here's Pinkie Pie. Are you going to write down the website? Um, Send it to me in the link. Okay. Yeah, I already looked up that pony. It is Dainty Dahlia. 
Okay, and she was Vegan. a perfume, so if I want to... Oh, you want to look at her? Let me see. I just had yeah. it open. Let me see. Page 30. Ah, there she is. Yeah. She's actually she more gray than any of them. She is really gray, isn't she? Mm-hmm. She's even more gray than Snuggle, actually. She's really pretty. I actually yeah, have to jump sweet. off here. Um, but I will send you that link over in messages. And okay. I will hopefully chat with you soon. All Give right, your baby some yeah, Let's, let's chat again soon. And we'd love to have you on the show again. Okay, yeah, I would love to. I had a blast. I honestly didn't even realize the time was passing by like it was. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you very much for coming on, and you have a wonderful day. You do. You have a wonderful night, too, and thank you for having me. Oh, no Good problem. Night. It's been a lot of fun. Oh, yes, it definitely has. We'll have to chat more on Facebook, too. Yes. <laughs> All right. So, if you have any questions or need any ideas or you want to float ideas by somebody, you can always message me. Okay. Awesome. As you can tell, I like to talk shop. Because <laughs> I like to talk shop, too. It's always fun. So, And you always learn something new or figure out a new idea to try. So, Well, have a good one. Give your baby some love. Hopefully her teeth don't bother her too much. Okay, I will. And uh, All right. Yes. Bye. Night. Nice.